Welcome to Transformative Principle, where you learn how to be a leader and not just a manager of a to-do list. I am your host, Jethro Jones. You can find me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. Your to-do list is a hungry monster that is never satisfied. For the last year and a half, I've helped principals get awards, get promoted, and find the time to do the work that really matters. I recently opened a new mastermind slot. Schedule a call with me and let's overcome the stressed and isolated principal position together. Go to the show notes for this episode at transformativeprincipal.org and click schedule a call with Jethro. This episode is brought to you by John Cat Educational, a leading independent publisher with six decades of experience supporting teachers and school leaders. Learn about research-based, easy-to-use professional development books for your entire faculty by visiting us.johncatbookshop.com. Welcome to Transformative Principle. I am excited to have Tom Gibson on the program today. Tom, welcome to Transformative Principle. Thanks, Jethro. It's good to be here. So Tom is a uh, classroom teacher and teaches uh, technology and a YouTube video production course. Is that right, what you teach, Tom? Correct. Yeah, correct. Middle school math, uh, middle school robotics class, and a YouTube class for high school. Yeah, how cool is that? I mean, just how wonderful that we're living in a day and age where you can teach how to make YouTube videos. How cool is that? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cool. It actually came, the idea was my, was the high school principal. He's like, Hey, we want to come up with some interesting electives for, for, for the high schoolers. And, you know, he knew I had a teacher YouTuber channel. He's like, what do you think about teaching a YouTube class? I'm like, yeah, that'd be awesome. (laughs) That'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. Very cool. Well, today we are here to talk about how to teach kids about money. And this is something that I hear all the time. We should have learned this in high school about how to handle money and how to use it appropriately. Tell me your thoughts on that idea right there. Yeah. I, I mean, I think the the only financial literacy that I really remember from grade school was was my senior year, Mr. Gossett's economics class. And he was just telling us, you, y'all need to get yourself a Roth IRA because by the time you're my age, you'll be a millionaire. It's like, I'm like <laughs> I don't know what a Roth IRA is, but I guess I should get one in my 20s. And like, that's all I, that's all I got. You know, I didn't really learn about budgeting. I didn't really learn about you know saving, spending, investing, or anything like that. And then when I got out of college, my dad gave me The Total Money Makeover by Dave Ramsey, um, which the main purpose is to get out of debt and stay out of debt. But uh, he had a lot of principles in there that I'm like, this is kind of how I want to live my life. I want to spend less than I make. I want to have a plan for my budget. I want to actually save for the things that I want and not uh, go into debt for the things that I want. And and that kind of... I ended up taking that into into the classroom uh, when I, I taught fifth grade for a few years and I came across a book by Rafe Esquith and yeah. it, it, the whole the whole purpose of the book wasn't wasn't financial literacy it was just about like his classroom and how you teach and engage with kids but he had this one little section on what he called a classroom economy and kids had classroom jobs and they got salaries for their classroom jobs. And they used those salaries to pay rent on their desk. Um, they used those salaries to pay fines for any misbehavior. And they used that classroom money to to buy things in a, in a classroom store or in a monthly classroom auction. And I was like, okay, this this seems like something I would I would love to do. But it wasn't until I kind of saw another teacher kind of doing it. He only wrote like six pages on it. I'm like, I need a whole book on like how he actually set this classroom economy up. But that was kind of like the basis of like me having my own, you know, not learning financial literacy until I was kind of out of college and trying to pay off my my student loans. And then also coming across another teacher that was doing something like this with his students. 
Yeah. And as a classroom teacher myself earlier, I wanted to do a classroom economy, but then I realized it was too much work and I didn't want to do it anymore. But I also read mm-hmm. Ray Fesquith's book. I believe it's Teach Like Your Hair's on Fire. Is that the one you're talking about? That was the one. That was it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so really good book. I also read that and, and really enjoyed it and thought, I'd love to do a classroom economy, but I don't want it to be fake and I don't want it to take a ton of time. Like I want to be mm-hmm. teaching. I don't want to be spending all my time managing this money situation. And so you've developed a yeah. way to to do that for teachers so that it's a lot easier for them to do. So let's talk about your your process and what you go through to to make that happen so that they're not spending forever dealing with it. Yeah, that was the the impetus for it. Cause like the first few years that I did it, it it really did take a long time. And I knew how meaningful it was. And even I've had students come back that I had in those first few years that I was doing it. Uh, one of my seventh graders, he came back last year when he was a junior just to visit the school. And he was like, are you still doing classroom economy? And I was like, yeah, it's changed quite a bit, but I'm still doing it. And he's like, yeah, I just remember that final auction when me and Jonah were like trying to partner up and team up with our money and get like that broken iPad that was like in the auction and stuff. (laughs) And like that told me, it's like, man, that was like, that was one of the most memorable experiences for him was like what we were doing with money. Even though, you know, on my end, I was like, oh, this is taking way too long. And I feel like I'm like not as organized as I would like. And things are getting out of, you know, out of, not out of control, but just out of my, my survey of what's going on. But over the years, I kind of moved away from, from having paper money. And then I made it all digital, which ended up being such a time saver. Um, and I began to like automate a lot of things with it. And the basis of it um, was really kind of deciding on my classroom jobs. Like anything that had to be done, had to be done in the economy, I outsourced to a student. I hired a student to do that. So like students became bankers and uh, things like that. And they were managing the things that were going online with the online bank account. But for my process, as far as what it, what it looks like now, um, after the years of, uh, of iterations, the beginning of the year is probably the, the time-consuming part of it is the, the prep work and those first weeks with the students. I come up with a list uh, of, of classroom jobs that I want. And really, my list is just kind of tweaking it from last year and any jobs that I want to change, add, or get rid of. Uh, but the main thing is having jobs that, that free up time for you as the teacher. And some examples for me was I have a job called a boards manager where a student writes the agenda on the board for me. And I just share a spreadsheet with them. And then they just pull up the spreadsheet in the morning and see what I wrote on the spreadsheet for that day. And then they they color code it and make it all nice and uh, do it for me at the beginning of the day. I have someone, a visual display artist that makes posters for me in the classroom. I have someone who does uh, assistant grading for me and they don't actually put the final grade on there, but they'll go through quizzes or tests and they'll highlight the first place that a student made a mistake. And so if I see no highlights, I can already see like what, maybe one quick glance through, but that student got a 100 or if there's one thing highlighted, I can just go there. And so that frees up a lot of time for me. I have a photographer in each one of my classes that takes photos that I can put on my, my teacher Instagram page and they email them to me at the end of the week. The classroom economy has an auction every month. And so instead of me providing auction items, I have a student who is the auctioneer take a letter every month 
uh, to local businesses that says, hey, we've got this classroom economy thing going on. Would you like to donate items for the auction in our classroom? And a lot of companies are all on board because they're like, oh yeah, we'd love to support financial literacy. And we've got things we can donate. We've had books like hardcover, the Hunger Games trilogy, like hardcover was donated. We've got these like $50 robotics toys, gift cards to, to cookie places and restaurants. And sometimes the auctioneer would actually like make something like brownies and auction those off. So they're in charge of that. I don't have to worry about that. And I have a fine officer. They make sure that all the fine tickets are written every week. So if students get fines from misbehavior, like being off task or missing work, or um, if they were being rude to another student, I kind of jot those down throughout the week. And my fine officer makes sure those tickets get written and then make sure those students pay for them. Uh, so I don't have to worry about it. Um, celebration coordinator celebrates students' birthdays in the class. Attendance monitor takes attendance for me. I have a banker that uh, in each class that that helps deposit some money when students get extra supplemental income because their salaries and their rent are on direct deposit and auto withdrawal. So that's all automated, which is nice. And I have a newsletter writer, someone who organizes the tables when they come in, someone who passes out papers, someone who restocks my supplies, someone who plugs my laptop in at the beginning of the class period um, and pulls up the class website and projects it. Uh, and Someone who, who comes in and opens the blinds at the beginning of the day and, and turns them off at the end of the day and takes care of that. So uh, I try to outsource as much of my work off to the students. Uh, and they also feel a sense of responsibility because they know that these jobs are important. I'm not like, you're the person that opens the door at the beginning of the day. You know, like they can kind of sense if it's a meaningless job. And so I try to make them as meaningful as possible. And they are meaningful if they are actually saving me time or contributing to the classroom culture in some way. Yeah, I really like that uh, description of all the jobs that you have. And one of the things that I found challenging was that I had already made my job as a teacher super easy. And so mm-hmm. I was, you know, for, I was doing very little prep work and very little, you know, copying and making papers and things like that. And we were fortunate to have a lot of technology in my school. So I was doing a lot of stuff online already. So, you know, there wasn't a ton that I was doing. And that was, that was one of those things where I had already had that mindset. (laughs) And so I had already shaved off a lot of those things that I didn't have to, but I think that is such a key thing to pay attention to that. There are so many little things that we do that just take up in an inordinate amount of time, especially if you're a perfectionist, like many educators are, (laughs) you know, you, you get started on something and you spend a ton of time, Doing it. So let's talk a little bit about the how the kids keep track of their money. If it's all digital, what does that look like? Yeah. And how did you arrange all of that? I use a virtual bank and I've tried several in the past few years. I tried my kids' bank, which was functional, but the interface looked like it was, you know, from nineteen ninety-nine. Um, I've tried Bankaroo, which was also okay, but I didn't really like how certain features that they had didn't really work as well with my classroom. And then I found one called paygrade.io. And the story of that was there was another teacher that was using the same platforms that I was. And her husband was a developer and he was pretty dissatisfied and he he was really interested in what she was doing. So he actually developed, yeah, he developed Paygrade like on in his free time uh, for her. And what's been really cool is I've been able to kind of correspond with him back and forth since I started using Paygrade a couple of years ago. And I'm like, hey, I'm noticing this issue or would you be able to add this feature? And he's super responsive. And so Paygrade's really been the one that's like, I love the interface and it's really optimized for the way that I'm actually doing my classroom economy. And so I create student accounts and they are at the beginning of the year, I'll deposit $200 as a signing bonus after I hire 
hire the students. Mm -hmm. And when they go in, they can see their checking account, they can see their savings account, and then things like if they have to pay a fine, there's a little section in there called student actions. And so if there's a week where they were they got an off-task fine, they go in there, click on off-task, and then they apply that fine. And then the $50 is automatically withdrawn. And then they just show that to the fine officer who checks it off on the clipboard to show that it's been paid. And so that's been the easiest thing as far as like managing it like it's all it's all there inside of pay grade and what's nice too is i can actually do the job assignments where it lists all of their responsibilities for their job within pay grade uh so and i can do like what they i want their salary to be so my boards manager gets sixteen hundred dollars a month and so from all my classes i can just say okay this student's the board manager from this period and this one's from this period and this one's from this period. And then it just goes in whenever they log in, they'll see their responsibilities as the board's manager. And what's nice is if I go in and I just want to change the salary for the board's manager, it'll go ahead and automatically change that for each one of those students that has that assigned. So it's it's all in one place, which is nice. And I know they just came out with like some extra premium features like PayGrade. Everything that I do on PayGrade right now is under the free version, uh, but they've added things like stocks and other assets and like separating your students into specific classes and uh, lots of little things um, to kind of enhance the classroom economy experience, which I wouldn't recommend for a teacher doing it for the first time. Uh, but it is really cool to, to kind of see some of those options and start playing with some of those. Yeah. And start trading cryptocurrency with your... Yeah, exactly. There is an option. So That's you can awesome. have like <laughs> some kind of like electronic e-coin or something like that. John Cat Educational supports high quality teaching and learning by providing publications that are research based, practical, and focused on the key topics proven essential in today's and tomorrow's schools. Visit us.johncatbookshop.com to see the latest publications, whose exciting ideas include overcoming the extrovert ideal in our schools, creating bottom up transformation that promotes buy in from all educators, and improving formal and informal continuous learning opportunities for teachers. These books, used by educators of all roles across North America and worldwide, amplify fresh, engaging voices with practical strategies to create transformative change. Learn more in our show notes. So I think that that piece of taking care of all the money aspect is a is a big hurdle for most teachers. What yeah. about the student investment in it themselves? Like, how do you how do you get them on board so that it's not some lame thing that that you're doing that they have to be part of, but it's something that they can actually get behind. Yeah. Student buy-in is pretty big. And the biggest thing I do is I, I mean, the idea of getting classroom money for the most part gets a lot of kids excited, particularly when you're working with kids that have never really, you know, they're not even old enough to have a job yet. Um, Oh, I can get to make money. So the beginning of the year, part of that buy-in process is they actually have to apply for their top three jobs. Um, And I go through all of the jobs and what the responsibilities are. And the top paying jobs, a lot of them have to they have to get like supplemental things with their application. And so like the board's manager has to turn in a handwriting sample. The uh, My person who makes posters in the room has to design a small poster on why they should be hired. Um, the assistant grader needs a letter of recommendation from someone that's not their parents. And my photographer needs to turn in a, a photography portfolio. And so it's like, it's forcing them if they really want to get paid a lot of money to put a little bit of extra work in, which actually increases some of that buy-in. And as much as possible, I try to give them one of their top three jobs. 
And when they fill out their application, which I use a Google form for, they have to say why they'd be a good fit for each of the jobs that they put in their top three. And I told them, like, we had a whole conversation on like, I don't want you to say you, you want this job because you want a lot of money. Like, you need to talk about how you are actually adding value to, to me as your employer. Or if you think of our classroom as a company, how you're going to make this company, this classroom better. So if you want to be the tech assistant, you can talk about, I love technology. I've loved it since I was a kid. I'm the one that's fixing all the computer problems at my house. And I would love to serve the classroom with my technology skills and help you as a teacher by plugging in your projector and everything like that. And so they're starting to think about this is not about what I want. This is how I can actually help and contribute to you. So the fact that I'm forcing them to frame it that way, and then like they're they're kind of investing themselves into this and saying why they why they think they should be a good fit for it. And so I try to give them one of their top three as much as I can. That can be a pretty time consuming aspect because I've got this matrix on a Google spreadsheet of all these students in each of these classes and all of them in their top three. And some years it works out really well where it's like, oh, okay, they all they all applied for different things. And so I was able to kind of distribute it pretty evenly and everyone kind of got one of their top three jobs. But some years it's like, oh man, like nobody applied for auctioneer in this classroom and I really need an auctioneer uh, to, to get the auction items every month. And so I told students, if I don't pick you for one of your top three, you're going to get an email from me that says, hey, I don't think, I, I wasn't able to give you one of your top three, but I think our class really needs this job. Our class really needs an auctioneer and I think you'd be a great fit for it. Would you be willing to do this job? And I tell them, if you get an email from me that says that you actually have something that we adults call leverage, um, you actually have, uh, you're in a position now of power because I'm coming to you with a request um, and asking, and, and I need you to get this job. And so you can actually begin to renegotiate maybe for a higher salary or other extras with the job. And so whenever I, when I first started having that conversation with students, one of the first students that responded, he's like, yes, I'll be the auctioneer, but I want more money because I have the leverage. And so we were able to have like a conversation on like, here's how you would tactfully do that. <laughs> and, yeah, and maybe exactly. ask for a little bit more money. But, <laughs> um, but that really, I think that really gives a lot of buy-in because then students, when they come to class and they find out what their job is, you know, like, yes, I got one of my top, you know, like they're actually excited and they're, they're ready and they want to do their job. And they're, you know, like, all right, now you're going to, the training kind of goes in like, it, I train students when, when they have to do their job. So it's like, attendance monitor the day they find out. I'm like, all right, come over here. Look at your look at your instructions. What does it say? What well, says I need to go to your computer and click on this tab and then do this. Okay, show me. Go ahead and do that. And so I start training students. Some of them, they don't get trained until a little bit later. If their job doesn't have to happen until later, like the banker, they don't do their job until we have our first day of bonus money, which is like supplemental income. But that's, the, I think, the biggest piece of buy-in for them. Um, and then also having the auction having like really fun things that if I'm not really participating and, and putting effort into this, or if I'm getting a bunch of fines, I'm not going to have any money to bid on these like kind of cool things that, that we're having in the classroom. Um, and you know, I don't let them, I don't let them actually bid with money they don't have. I don't let them go into debt to be able to bid on something or to buy an item in the classroom. And so those two pieces, I think ends up creating that buy-in for the students. And every year I will have a couple of students that, you know, they're just like, eh, I'm not really, can I just be homeless? Can I, do I have to do this? And like in real life, you can in our classroom. No, you can't be homeless. You still have to pay rent on your desk. And the reason for that, you do still have to have a job. 
I want everyone contributing in some way to our classroom culture. I don't want this just to be like, well, I don't have any real responsibilities. This is all this other stuff and making this run class, this classroom run efficiently is, it's somebody else's problem and not mine. And so that's, that's part of the piece. And I've been torn about it because it's like in real life, you could get fired for a job or if you didn't want a job, no one's going to force you to get one. But, and, and that's where I'm trying to balance classroom culture, positive classroom culture with, you know, the financial literacy and what, trying as much as I can to model it with like what it's like outside of the classroom, but, but not, uh, not sacrificing the classroom culture piece um, in that. Hey, I just wanted to let you know about a little project that I've started. What I'm trying to do is help schools who are going to have a different graduation this year get guest commencement speakers. So if you're going to have a different kind of graduation ceremony this year than what you traditionally do and you'd like to get a guest speaker to help you out, go to guestcommencementspeeches.com for a free service to connect you to a guest commencement speaker. These are people that I am curating to help connect because that's one of my gifts is being a connector. And I want to help connect people with others who can give great speeches at their school. So that's guestcommencementspeeches.com. I'd love to have you check that out and sign up to have someone awesome come speak at your school. Yeah, I'm really glad you brought that up because that's an important piece also, this idea of, you know, forcing someone to work. And, you know, the stakes are pretty low if you don't have a classroom job, but the stakes are a lot higher if you don't have a real job, you know, especially if you have a family and you got to provide for them and all that kind of stuff. So being able to, you know, stress the importance of being a contributing member of your classroom society and then also, you know, being able to get the things that you want to get and things like that. So, yeah, I think that that's, that's really important. Yeah. And the, that also ends up bringing up another conversation that students will sometimes ask about if a student's in debt, if they're like, Oh, can we just like give them money or loan them money? And I'm like, well, in real life, I think giving money to someone in need is, is really helpful if a family member or a friend is needs that. But I actually don't let them do that in the classroom because I tell them I don't want anyone in the classroom just to assume and become dependent on other people just giving them money and bailing them out when they need money. And like, I want them to think through, okay, why am I in debt? Why, you know, am I getting a bunch of fines for different things that I could not be getting fines for? Am I taking all the opportunities to make supplemental income in the classroom outside of my salary? Like, what's going on? And I'll have those conversations, but. I didn't, I could see it pretty easily where you have those students that are like, they're making a lot of money and they're like, Oh, I'll give them money. And then you have the students like, well, every month that I've been short, someone's giving me money. So I'll just go ahead and depend on that. And so I tell them in real life, if you, if you, if you do want to give someone money, I do recommend kind of the Dave Ramsey school of thought of give them money. Don't loan them money. Uh, because if you loan someone money and you see them using that money, and then they're not paying you back, but they're continuing to use money on other things. There becomes that resentment. Whereas if you just give someone money as a gift and you don't have any expectations of getting paid back, it becomes it becomes that. It is a gift and you do help them out. So it, it brings up more opportunities for like, how do I want to handle my money when I'm actually making real money outside of this classroom? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So uh, you've created a course that uh, teaches people how to do all of these steps that you're talking about. Can you tell us a little bit about that course and how to access it? Yeah. The course is set up in four modules. The first one is like all the stuff to set everything up, the classroom jobs and um, deciding on like what fines you want and how you want kids to be able to make more extra money in there. 
uh, and just a general overview of the, uh, of, of the classroom economy. That module is actually free. Uh, and so I'll give you some details on how to access that for free. But that's the setup. Module two is like, what do those first couple of weeks look like from you know introducing it to the kids, to hiring them, to setting up your virtual bank um, and how to train students. Module three is what your monthly routines look like. What does it look like on the day that students have to pay fines? What does it look like on the day that students get bonus supplemental money? What does auction day look like? And then module four is later in the year. Um, how do students buy their desks so that they no longer have to pay rent? And then they can actually see the value of their desk go up in value as the year goes on. How to, what do you do when students go into debt? And how do you, how do you structure the final auction so it's a, a memorable experience? And how do you debrief the year at the end and kind of talk about like, what did you guys learn? What did you enjoy? Uh, and kind of help you think through what you want to do the following year. And so those four modules, it's a video course. And so each one of those lessons has like a short five to 10 minute video from me. And then I have a recap. I have all of my resources available. So like my job list, it's a, it's a Google doc that you can make a copy of and edit uh, to customize it to your, your grade level and your students. Um, and every lesson also has homework so that you can contextualize whatever I talked about in that video and in that lesson to your classroom and your situation. And so walks you through step by step to save you a bunch of time, uh, to save you the years of trying to figure out how to do this in the most time efficient way, um, which I had to go through. Um, but the course uh, can be found at tomgibson.com. Tom Gibson spelled T-H-O-M-G-I-B-S-O-N. TomGibson.com slash classroom economy. Uh, and I would love to give uh, your listeners uh, 20% off of the course if they use the coupon code transformative. Um, we'll get you 20% off. And as, as principals, my recommendation is find the teacher that you know will get excited about something like this and use PD funds to cover it and say, would you be interested in, in, in trying to do something like this in your classroom? Um, we've got these videos. This teacher's done it several years. Uh, all the resources are available to you. Um, and then support the teacher in that way uh, and get them started on it. Um, if you have a couple teachers that are willing to do it, then all the better. Uh, they can kind of share ideas and uh, see how, how to maybe make it like a team thing, like a grade level thing or something like that. Um, if like fifth grade is the grade where we get to do the classroom economy that you know, the kids really look forward to or something like that, I think would be a good setup. Yeah. And just so everybody knows, I'm not getting a kickback or anything for you buying that course through through that link. That's just straight to him. So I just think that this kind of stuff is really powerful. And we definitely need to keep, teach our kids about how to handle money and how to use it appropriately. And in my own home, we use, uh, you know, our kids have chores and they earn money based on doing their chores. And we teach them how to save and to spend and how to give and all that kind of stuff. And it's it's really important to to be able to teach kids how to do this because we we desperately need to be financially wise with our resources and and use them for good and not to waste them. And you know, just the other day my wife and I were talking about how we wish we would have made some better choices in since we've been married about how we're using our money and you know, giving kids the opportunity to fail or make mistakes when the stakes are low is really valuable. So in closing, Tom, what is your one thing that a principal should do this week to be a transformative leader like you? I would say look for an opportunity to to let your teachers do something that they you know that they will flourish in. The story that I told about the principal 
coming and asking me if I'd be willing to do a YouTube video production class, knowing that I love YouTube. I love making YouTube videos. Um, and I had done like YouTube camps and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, that'd be, that'd be awesome. And like, I felt as a teacher, like I felt seen, I felt supported. I felt like he was giving me an opportunity to do something that I would really love and really enjoy. Um, and in the same way, doing something like teaching financial literacy, uh, just seeing who would be just looking for whatever opportunity uh, that you think your teacher would flourish in, recognizing that, acknowledging that, uh, and then asking for if they would be interested. Yeah, I, I think that's great advice. Well, thank you again. Again, you can go get his course at tomgibson.com slash classroom economy. And Tom, thank you so much for being part of Transformative Principle. Thanks so much, Jeff. Thank you to our valued partner, John Cat Educational. If you are a leader looking to make transformative change by providing yourself and your teachers with professional development that is research-based and rigorous, yet easy to digest and full of practical strategies, check out the latest publications from John Cat. Visit us.johncatbookshop.com to find information or learn more in our show notes.